What's the revolution? Marcus Harden, nationally renowned educator, founder, humanitarian, philanthropist, father, mentor. What's your revolution? Unconditional love, um, as as uh, as cliche as it may be. Just uh, and, and I would say this, Doctor C. I think uh, this journey of finding belonging in Atlanta, the the greatest part for me was learning to love myself, um, and then then amplifying that um, even more. So I've told people, even in my my personal weight transformation journey or whatever, um, it, it, it was so much of it, I think it was shedding the old skin of everything I had to hold on to and really just loving me. Um, and that's made me so much better to love other people. And I, and I get so excited to show up in that space, to show up in this space, to show up in any space and just uh, be a beam for that. And, you know, we're both men of men of, 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 of spirituality. And so, you know, I, but I know for sure is God is love. And if I show up as, a, as an imperfect image of him um, and, and can reflect that out, then I'm doing all right. Can I have your attention for a moment? What's good, revolutionaries? Welcome to the What's a Revolution show, a show for men and the people who love them, where we discuss how men can find and embrace the revolution within themselves, where people can find and embrace the revolution within themselves. I am your host, Dr. Charles Poolproof. What's good, revolutionaries? I hope all is well. And at the recording of this episode, we are giving thanks. That's what I'm going to say. We are we are giving thanks. It's that time of year when you know our people, everybody, but you know our people. We get together, and it's Friendsgiving or Thanksgiving or we're giving right to our people and to our communities. And so, what I would ask for you to do, revolutionaries, is to take a look at where you can give thanks and gratitude for your life. And that's the thing, right? As I as I practice, right? As as I practice revolutionaries about giving gratitude from some of the smallest things that happen during my day to some of the biggest things that gratitude actually is one of those guiding lights in our lives. When we think that we don't have anything, oftentimes we need to look and say, you know, I give gratitude to the sun. I give gratitude to my breath, right? I give gratitude to the green light that got me to my job a little bit faster. I give gratitude and thanks to the smile that I saw, you know, as I was walking into work. I give gratitude to the muffin, the last chocolate muffin, gluten-free muffin that they had at three ships today because I was hungry and I hadn't packed. Let's give thanks revolutionaries when we can because if if we find that the world becomes too negative i feel like that we are not giving thanks to the things that we have and please as you move through this space find some way to show someone gratitude for their existence for their humanity as we talk about this in this world for their humanity give someone grace during this period of time as we move. And as I said at the recording of this show, we are moving into the last phases of this year. And I am hoping, I am hoping, revolutionaries, that you are moving through this revolution of your life. That at the beginning, you figured out what, okay, I needed to revolt and evolve. I needed to, I got the answer. I know what my revolution, and you've been working through it. And maybe you finished it, great, right? Here's my hug to you. Here's my high five to you. Like, great. But for those of us who have not finished or completed our revolution, it's that time. It's that time, hopefully, and that you're asking your people, that you're asking your folks, push me along, push me to the finish line, revolutionaries. Get me across so you, I can say, 
I answered the question, what's a revolution? And I fulfilled it. And that I can move on in our fifth tenet, right? Always be having the next revolution in mind. Look, let me tell you something. I am always fortunate, right? And I say that always because the universe, God, whoever that you believe, and I believe, you know, my, look, my spirit, as, I, as I'll say, always places people in front of me that I get to admire. I get to admire and get to spend time with them. And the brother that for those who are visually inclined get to see, uh, and those who will hear his eloquent voice in one, in one moment, his name is Marcus Harden. And I'm going to let Marcus Harden tell you his story, but I'll tell you how I met Marcus Harden. As you know, I talk about my beloved, our beloved Camelback Ventures. And in 2018, 2019, I had the pleasure of going through my first cohort of the Camelback Fellowship. And all of a sudden, this tall, six foot five, six foot six <laughs> brother walks in uh, and he says that I am Marcus Harden, the CEO of the Ace Academy. Ace Academy. And he started talking about how this was going to amplify and edif- edify the voices and education of black boys. And you know, revolutionary, that hits at my heart. That hits it, that, that tugs at everything that I am because you know me, that's what I've been doing. And so we developed this friendship and I've watched this brother grow and do the things as Ace had began to flourish in different cities across the country. But Marcus, the man, was the person that I was like, man, this, this brother is dope. And so I wanted to bring him on the show, Revolutionary. So please meet my dear brother and my dear friend. Marcus Harden, and he will tell you the luminary status that he has in the world. But I know Marcus Harden as, you know, 2019 Camelback fellow who was building a school that was uh, building a school that was made for black boys. And that's what we need in this world. So, Marcus Harden, thank you, my dear brother, for coming on the What's a Revolution show and gracing me with a little bit of time because I know you I know you busy. What's good with you, brother? Was good, but I mean, one after the uh, after the opening and that and that uh, introduction. Uh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna save my version of our meeting for for the end. Okay. But um, in, in the spirit of gratitude, but thank you for having me on. Been been a fan for a long time of just the work and, and the um and the platform that you're giving to to people like me and people who are just out here trying to do good work. Um, but it, it's a pleasure to be here, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it is, man. And I'm, 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 I appreciate it. And I, I take all of that. This platform is for you to highlight the successes of powerful, powerful. And, and look, look, and I want to say powerful young men like yourself. <laughs> you yeah. Powerful. But we talked about in the groom room how old you were. <laughs> and I was like, wait, this brother ain't too far behind me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Bless with the baby face. Bless with the baby face. Yeah. Yeah. Look, let, let, let's let's backtrack for a second, man. Um, let's talk about black boys for a second, right? Let's talk about black boys for a second. Why is it important for this world to have champions and places like Ace Academy and Overtime, right? And the school that you're at right now that uplifts, uplifts, and amplifies and increases the talent of black boys. Um, I think. I mean, that's 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 a that's a that's a monthly series. Uh, <laughs> but but I, I'll answer I'll answer to my why I guess, and, and so much of mine is rooted in 
Um, and we were talking about this a little in the green one about, about our perception of our lives, right? But so much of it is rooted in what I felt like I didn't have. Um, in, in theory, looking back now, I, I would probably change that narrative a bit. But um, I think it's rooted in, in in so many of us needing that thing that we could see and be. So to your point yeah. of, um, you know, I've been I've been genetically blessed uh, to be <laughs> six foot six and, and, and you know, and over 300 pounds for a long time. I'm sitting at 230 now. Looking thank good. God. Looking um, good. Uh, yeah, thank you, brother. Um, and, but but for a long time, you know, just seen as, as, as a, a body. Um, and, and never got to see myself and other black men. And, and I've told everybody who would listen, I, I'm a mosaic of the black men that have spoken into my life, known and unknown. So some were even on TV. Some were some were fictional characters. Right. But and then some are real life. But I think um, for Ace, I'll speak. I'll speak to that the most easiest. I think what we came together and saw, especially in Seattle, here where I'm at now. Um, see, I was only 5% black. Mm-hmm. So if you think about the black male population, it, it's low. And you know the narratives that are pervasive of, you know, everybody's in jail or on drugs. And I was like, no, that's not it. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I got some family friends who who are working at Boeing and who are firefighters. And but those stories don't get told. And for me especially, I think all I ever, and it still happens, Dr. C, all I ever get is, oh, who do you play for? Or, I bet you do this. And, you know, nobody ever knows that I'm, you know open two schools and, and run a successful nonprofit and worked in the White House, those questions don't come up. Um, what comes up is what my body has done. Yeah. And so what wow. we do for certain was, is how do we create a space and place for young black men just to be? And we've been having this conversation. I just actually had it this morning with my co-founders, but moving from a place of um, teaching young black men to fit in to helping young black men find places where they belong. Yes. And then curating and, 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 helping shape places into places of belonging and not just asking young black men to fit into the paradigms that people will forever place us in. So uh, long answer in some respect, but I think um, continually challenging that and, you know, no pun intended, but revolutionizing uh, what it means to be a black man. Um, And I think we're doing that in real time, right? Because I think for so many of us, what is true um, is that many of our fathers didn't get the opportunity Mm -hmm. To, to express this portions of themselves. And when they did, it was just in a hobby. They were in the garage and we got to see them for just a bit. But the stories we told was like, oh, they sacrificed and they went to work. And that part is true. But when they got to come home and they really saw joy, we didn't really get to see that either. Mm-hmm. So like, it's trying yeah. to really exude that. Um, I, have ta- I have love tattooed on my arm, right? That's that's both um, real and it's both, um, I do it to, to push the paradigm of like, that's the four little word I want people to see a six foot six black man yeah. as. And I just actually had that conversation with students today. They're like, Mr. Marcus, you got tats. And I was like, yeah, like love is there. And like what's in it. And it's my students and it's my, my, my nephews that I adopted. And it's my former students who have passed. It's all their birthdays. Um, you know, I didn't want to have 97 uh, men's <laughs> names tattooed on me, no judgment, but, um, <laughs> but, but the ode to that. And, and, and again, revolutionizing, how we show up in that because um, black men saying love to me is the most revolutionary thing we can do. Brother. So the, I had like six questions pop up in my mind before, <laughs> you, like, look, before you said that. And I'm going to put a pin in this question of belonging. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to come back to that. Like what, what does the space of belonging look like? But I need to tell a story because what you said is there's an irony. Um, Last week, November 17th, was the, <laughs> you know, the Founders Day for the good men of Omega. And we're doing this. This is what we're going to do. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say, you know, I'm just, I'm, there's, a, there's a whole story, you know, and the, the good men of Omega know that I talk about, you know, Omega Sci-Fi a lot on the show. Yeah. But 
what I want to say, one, is that I think there is a stigma uh, around black male fraternities. Uh, one, I think also there's a, there's a stigma around, and I, I'm only going to speak for my fraternity. All right. There's a stigma around how Omega men cues act and comport themselves externally. I got to spend some time with my line brothers and we'll, we'll call this our external brother family, you know, um, and the expressions of love, right? You know, the expressions of love that abounded in those moments with, you know, we, we can have arguments about the, the, the hyper masculinity of black male fraternities and all these things, you know, and then uh, the, this perception of cues and Omega men and hyper masculinity and all that we could, we can argue back and forth. But my point here, Marcus, is that in those moments on our founders day, 20, 25 of us come together and I'm leaving, right. And I, I'm leaving and I'm, I'm, Shocked is not the word. Uh, befuddled is not the word. I am, I am in awe. That's where I am. I, I am in awe at the expressions of gratitude and love being expressed by black men, professionally well-educated black men. As you leave it, brother, I love you. Mm-hmm. Right. This expression of love, this expression like, brother, I am grateful for you. Thank you for showing up for me. And I'm like. This is why, this is exactly why I wanted to be a part of this. And it goes back to this, almost to this story is that we can't be what we can't see. My father was a stalwart, a staple of what it meant to be a strong, proud black man and a strong, proud Omega man. And I got to see that growing up. His friends, my fictive uncles were Omega men. So this, this, I am affirming what you're saying is that Love can happen, right, between black men. This affirmation that I see you, I'm with you, right? I will go with you through this journey of life. And that is, it was, it was a powerful thing. And that was what, you know, I was all ready to go in. And you said this, 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 this diatribe about love and brought me back to those moments that night. And I'm walking out the door. Chuck, remember, bro, I love you. I love you too, dear brother. And that's what we need more of. And our young boys, if I'm, if I'm sitting in on my, if I'm sitting on my stoop, right, right, on my bully pulpit, our young boys need to be, ha- need these expressions of love to one, be shown to them, Marcus, mm-hmm. but they also need to know how to do that because we still over masculinize what it means to be a young black man, right? And if someone has an expression of love, we would begin to label them as something that they may not be. And then all of a sudden, they, they now they've torn down any expressions of love because they don't want to be labeled or characterized something that they might not even know about. So, yeah. No, I, I think, um, you know, and, and we were talking about this a little bit in the green room, Dr. C. Like, you know, I, I'm still in root, right? Like, I, I, um, I'm always trying to be a, a great practitioner. Um, but also I have to practice what I preach, right? Like at the end of the day, you have to do it. And I, and I think back, one of my, my, um, my most like kind of paramount experiences as an educator was, was early in my career. So 20 years ago, um, a young man that came to our school and was suspended, um, a partner, a sister school had sent him there and he was with me all week. We'd hung out young kid. Um, and, and I remember sending him back to a school at the end of the week. We'd hung out, built a good relationship. 
And my, my mentor at the time, um, you know, he got the kid in the car. And it was kind of this bad, like, Tyler Perry moment where <laughs> the kid clearly wanted to come hug me, but I was kind of awkward. So, like, it was just – and this never happened. And so my mentor came back from dropping the young man off. And he was like, he really wanted to give you a hug. And I was like, man, I wanted to hug him too, but it was kind of weird, right? And so, you know, because, again, the, the the masculinity is in yeah. you. And, you know, you know, men and men in education is this whole other thing yeah. and showing yeah. that type of perfection. Um, and so I fast forward to this role that I've been in now for three weeks. And I'm in my office last week with a young man who's uh, who's who's dealing with a lot. Mother mother's in hospice. He's kind of the man of the house. And we're having a conversation about just, you know, how he's showing up in the world. And so, you know, sometimes we got to we, we got to correct our young yeah. man. And it was a corrective conversation, but in love. Um, and we get done with the conversation. And I was like, you know, I know I just met you, but I want to tell you I love you. If nobody's told you that today. I'm telling it to you and I mean it, right? And I just saw the shift in his energy, right? And like, and we got up, we ended the conversation and he went to give me a hug and that same notion struck me again of like that. I kind of froze and I was like, no, no, do it. Like, no, you, you know, you're 20 years later, you got it, you got to yeah. pass this. And it's just such this great thing. And, and, and now, you know, I, I dapped him up this morning, a true story. I dapped him up this morning across my desk and he was dang there like, nah, come in for the real thing. Like, we hugging it out. And so... You know, like we were talking about earlier, like you're still in root, and and, and, yeah. and even twenty, you know, this is year twenty three for me. I'm and having run an organization, having built a school, and, and, and having traveled the country and having these conversations. I'm still doing the work, yeah. right? Like, and because it still shows up. It's it's easy to say in theory when I'm in a room full of teachers or a room full of nonprofit folks, and like this is how you show up to love black boys. <laughs> it's like, am, am I doing? Am I walking the walk, right? Because at the end of the day, and, and we know kids will tell you, young people will. Quick, yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll be the first to let you know. I, I told you that the ones all the time here already been like, Man, you don't stand on business, you stand on business. I'm like, Well, I'm jumping up and down on it if I have to. So, um, I think to that point, it's just we're continually teaching it. And, and honestly, you know, as cliche as it is, they're teaching me, yeah, you know, like yeah. that young man is, is teaching me how to show up too. So, yeah, um, it's appreciative. It's a, it is a beautiful thing to allow yourself to learn from those who are coming behind you and to open your mind, to open your mind. And I think, you know, as I, I, I try to grow emotionally intelligently, you know, mm -hmm. I constantly think about what that looks like. How do I show up for others, you know, better than I have before? How can I be empathetic? How can I sit back and close my mouth, right? <laughs> And listen, and listen, I mean, listen to what our young folks have to tell you. It goes back, you know, mm -hmm. it goes back to the conversation that we had in the green room about this young man, John, who was just overly enthusiastic talking yeah. to the program manager here. At the, and I was, I'm sitting there trying to do some work. I was like, man, this young brother is getting on my nerves. And then I had to ask, I had to do the work. And I said, I had to do this. I was like, why is this young brother getting on my nerves? Right. Mm -hmm. And he was getting on my nerves because I was like, he was, he had the enthusiasm and exuberance that I used to have, you know, <laughs> that, 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 that carefree that, you know, what I can conquer everything. And then my life became interrupted. And he was a reminder to me, Marcus, what life uninterrupted looked like. You know what I'm saying? He was a reminder to me that the fears and the, 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 the blown aspirations or the negative self-talk or all the things, he was there where I remember being 20. I could jump out of a plane. I could jump off a cliff. All the things. And so instead of moving away from him, Marcus, I moved towards him. I was like, he finished the conversation. And as I said, revolutionaries, I asked him to come sit with me and talk. Who are you? Right. right? 
And we started this conversation. He's like, I'm got a, you know, uh, I'm John. I've got a podcast. You know, I'm looking at growing. And I was like, guess what, brother? I got a podcast. It's seven years old. It's top ten percent globally. You know, we we have basically done really well. How can I help you get to this place where I am? And all of a sudden, the, what I thought was a nuisance and an annoyance became a joyful conversation to a young man. He was like, I just want to soak up as much as I can from you. And I was like, wow, what if I had never said anything to him? What if I just said, look, you're a young kid and you're annoying. I'm going to let you go. What would that have been? What would that have done? And us being able to learn and listen and also support our young men is so key. Let me go back to one thing and I will go to the next question. You talked about being able to get, give and receive hugs. Have you read the, have you read the recent research on hugs? No, I got a good buddy who, who, who has told me a little bit about it and has a shirt that says free hugs. And so he loves it. Man, but I, I, let I, me I tell you, we need theoretically what this resource says is that we need four hugs a day for just to be okay. Hmm. Right. Eight hugs, eight hugs a day just to be like in a good place. Twelve hugs a day to thrive in life. Hmm. Right. You imagine that? I'm thinking, yeah. Shit, have I been hugged today? <laughs> I'm nowhere near 12. No, no, I, I, I told you, I gave you my one today. I mean, maybe, at, maybe at two. Yeah, I'm going to play pool. Look, in the recording, I'm, I'm going to play Tuesdays my pool night, so I know I'm going to get a couple of hugs from the brothers. When I, you know what I'm saying? But I'm like, wait, I am I am hug deficient. <laughs> I got. I got. I got to check that. And, and to your point, I think as men, we don't. We don't get there. Right? I think, and if I'm honest, if I feel back to turning even you on know, me, I, like I'm. I'm okay with giving them. I'm not okay with receiving yeah. them, which is a weird. You know, it's my own. You know, I, I got. A, I got a dope therapist in Atlanta. I have to break that down with them. But it's like you know, it's it's another. Um, I think it's another piece to just think about. And then I think we even think about culturally, right? Like for me, living this kind of bicoastal Seattle Atlanta life, it's very different. Um, you know, Seattle's very liberal and and and. Uh, a little more proper um in atlanta is like you know you know everybody smelling like elizabeth taylor white diamonds and they're gonna come in for the real thing so um you know maybe that's what it is white diamonds white diamonds yeah <laughs> sound like sound like big mama you gotta look i'm not love. mad at that one of the things you said earlier on um and i want to i want to see if you can weave our story of camelback into this because i think it's important and I think that, you know, you know, being vulnerable about some of the stories from our camel days at Camelback is what does belonging look like for black men? Um, uh, yeah, I definitely can weave in Camelback. <laughs> um, I, I think it's I, I, so for me, I guess I, I'll completely weave it in that making for me six years ago now, which is crazy as I just see making the journey to Atlanta where people told me not to do it and not to try to take yeah. it, you know, try to take ACE there. And it was a bad idea because, you know, I had a lot of social capital here in, in Seattle. Um, it was scary, right? Like, I didn't know anybody. I went there. I, I, you know, pulling back the full curtain, you know, I not to disrespect anybody in Atlanta, but uh, I've often said, you, excuse me, in Seattle, but you, you can you can be mediocre and black in Seattle and kind of make it just because there's not a big population, mm -hmm. right? Like, no disrespect to the great brothers who are and sisters who are doing work here, but population small you go to atlanta everybody black you know yeah. the, the barber black the mayor black people been black <laughs> um and for me so much of my identity 
was tired of was I black enough? Um, mm. Because, you know, I, I, I grew up and went to middle school in different places. I did go to a black high school, but even then, so even in my late thirties was like, am I coming to Atlanta and will I be black enough? And so for me, finding belonging in a black city was huge. I remember bending, bending from the airport into the city and, and that literally it's cliche as it is listening to the Migos. And I was like, yep, this is, it. Um, I don't know how, I don't know how I'm going to do it. Welcome um, to but, Atlanta but, but where the players play. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to Atlanta. But fast forward a little to your point. Um, it was a leap of faith, right? Like I first moved there. I hadn't gotten Camelback yet. I was, I was hoping it was coming. Um, and so, you know, moved there and for the first of my life, found myself hospitalized because I was mm-hmm. trying to work out a lot to get to where I'm at now. And, you know, almost died. Uh, I was in the hospital for a month and, and came out and had to do all that and, and, and had resolved. And I think I shared this story with you, but, but coming full circle to like find the environments. I went to the gathering spot who I always yeah. give these brothers a shout out and I'm, I'm, I'm weaving this. Um, Ryan and TK, who, yeah. who who let me go to the gathering spot and literally walked me around. I was like, this is who you need to know. We love this concept of ACE. We love the concept of supporting young black men. And these are two young brothers who I thought they was just like working there. I'm like, man, these brothers own it. Yeah. This is what Atlanta's yeah. about. Like, this is about, this is powerful black. He's literally meeting, he was city councilman there, now Mayor Andre Dickens and doing all those things. So finding those circles that belong to him Moving fast forward to, to, to I remember, um, I remember when it was. I, I remember, and this is, I was going to say this for the end, Dr. C, but you asked me to weave it in, so here we go. So I, I remember uh, literally sitting with negative $10,000 in my account because I was, I was stepping out on faith. I was like, okay, God, like you said, I, this felt right. Um, and I remember waking up one morning and just, just praying. I, I just, mm-hmm. like, when you say that fervent prayer, like <laughs> that, our, that, our, that, our, that, our, that our people talk about, I prayed so long, it was, I woke up, but it was noon. Like, by the time I opened my eyes, I was like, hey, God, I need you to show up now because it's rough out here. And, and, I, and, I, and I think I've shared this with you. I've told this story about you a lot. And then literally, maybe 30 minutes later, you called me. <laughs> um, and, and you were like, hey, this is Dr. C. And the way you, you know, Dr. C, you got that smooth voice. So the way, <laughs> the way you said it, you were saying like, you know, hey, you know, we, we, we got our kind of feel of, of, of educational folks this year, but you know, your, your project just spoke to me. Now in my mind, I'm like, man, if you're calling me to tell me I didn't get this, you can save all this. Cause, cause I'm about to pack up. Um, and I'll never forget it. Like, and, you know, I'm trying not to get emotional saying this, but I, I hope I've said this to you and, and, and about you in the Camelback experience, but you're like, brother, you got it. And I wanted to be like, man, send that check. I'm out here. About to. Um, and I remember hanging up the phone, brother, and I bawled. Yeah. And I and I bawled because I was like, man, God showed up and he showed out. Y'all sent the check a couple hours later because I didn't even know how I was going to get to New Orleans. I, like, that's how broke wow. I was. But I was like stepping out on faith and stepping out in that place. But then full circle, I think moving a little long to answer your question of belonging, my previous role that I just left with overtime, which was completely different. Now I'll maybe get to the story of how Ace led into overtime. But those same rooms that those people graciously had me in, those brothers and that sense of belonging that Atlanta gave me were the same rooms I got to walk into and now sit as peers, right? And got to give yeah. back. And so yeah. got to give back to the brothers who gave back to me, got to give back to brothers who who looked just like me. Um, and even, you know, when I was first pitching Ace, going to Atlanta and going to the Metropolitan Library and pitching it, and his sister walked up to me, man, she's, you know, definitely an elder in the community. She said, young man, this thing sounds amazing and I'm excited for it, but just Seattle money doesn't spend here. And I, my little feelings was hurt. But then I was like, wait a minute. I was like, wait a minute. What she's telling me is like, this concept's amazing, but I haven't done enough on the ground work mm, to understand yeah, the, the needs yeah. of the young men in Atlanta. Because if you understand in Atlanta, if you're born into poverty by fourth grade and you don't escape, as a black man, yeah, you might you're not getting out. Yeah. It's, yeah. They, so beds, it's, beds, it's, beds, it was, penitentiary beds are based are on better, fourth grade literacy rates. At least they used to be. Yes. 
and in Atlanta will trick you um, because of the blackness, but it's 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 no you know it's it's it can't escape those realities, and so that belonging is what you know literally in the phone call you gave me, uh, and I, I think I've said this to you before. I think in a, in a tearful thing in Camelback, but now for the world to see. Uh, Changed my life. Like, I, it literally changed my life. The trajectory of who I was um, as belonging, the trajectory of who I am as a man, and the things that I've been so blessed uh, to be able to do. Even, you know, even we talked about in the green room, like, you know, I'm sitting here at Russell and Sierra Wilson's charter yeah. school, you know, getting to say I'm the, I'm the co-CEO, which is like, people told me two months ago, I'd been like, nah, never. And so even when I complain about life, um, I'm like, man, you know kind of blessed this is first world problems um but but also that point of finding that place to belong and um we were talking about books earlier there's a beautiful book called the geography of bliss the geography it talks of about bliss the geography of okay. bliss so it's a study of the there's a happiness institute in florida yeah. who knew um but it, but it studies it, 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 it's, who knew uh but it studies environments and it talks a lot about um uh, places you'll end up going and kind of like how people kind of will go to bali and just stay yes. right you know mm-hmm. and do that thing and for me, the geography of bliss was Atlanta. It was it was yeah. finding that kind of place that that I belonged, and and I think it's why I'm content now to kind of live this this dual life at the moment of, of both places because Atlanta fed my, fed my spirit with 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 like I said, brothers like TK, brothers like Ryan, brothers like Damian Wilkins, who I got to work with at OTE. Um, you know, I got if I'm doing shout outs, I feel like I got to shout out my trainer Bruce who helped me lose that 120 pounds of bacon yeah. fat so I can live this healthy life. Um, look at, look, so looking like you're 25, looking like you're 25. <laughs> <laughs> um, but even in Camelback, you know, meeting brothers like yourself, Marvin, man, like yeah. I, I, I'm in awe of him. I know he's been on the show. Marvin Aaron, Pierre, yeah, um, yeah, Aaron, Aaron, you know, Aaron is, is the goat, man. He's forever he goat. Go. So um, I, I think it's. Uh, yeah, I'm so humble. I'm so humble. I said I wouldn't come in here and cry. Not going <laughs> no, to I appreciate it. Moment, but you know, I think that, good. yeah, and I think if we if we're thinking about belonging, what Camelback has done is particularly be one of the first movers in the space and creating a community that God. creating a community that its core structure was you belong in this space, right? right. You are an entrepreneur in education. You are building something. That is going to proliferate, not just in, not just from your hands, right? Think about that. You're going to proliferate this, not just from your hands, but from the hands of the people that you work with, the children and their families. There is going to proliferate. We think about livable wage communities, livable wage jobs, all the things that Camelback has really talked about and amplified that by creating a community of educators, a community of entrepreneurs, a community of founders, a community of tech founders and believers, Right. And juggernauts who said that we're going to go out into the world and build our dreams. And our dreams are those that our dreams are those that are going to impact the people that we love and that we serve. But first, but first, that community starts where where we are here at Camelback. And, you know, like you said, Aaron Sako, he made sure, you know, he and, and Elizabeth Bates, who was my predecessor, you mm-hmm. know, before that on thinking about consciously. When I bring black and brown and women and non-binary folks together, what does community look like? What does belonging look like? Mm-hmm. Right? Not just being in space together because you can be, but what is right. belonging? And I think about, you know, I I think about our dear brother Moses. Right? I, yes. I think about a, yes. who's been on the show, who's been on the show and I mean literally lit the show on fire. Mm-hmm. You know, literally lit the show on fire, but and I won't go into the 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 the, the the privacy. <laughs> but I think that what happened in those moments, right? What happened in those moments when there, when strife happened, belonging took over, 
Yeah. yeah. Belonging took over. And what happened is with the community was had the ability to say, uh-uh, we are here. And, and we got every, you. And we got you and everyone belongs. And that's a beautiful thing. When you're starting a venture and you're looking for capital or you're negative $10,000 in the bank, all of a sudden, I got people. I got my people. And we talk about that all the time. Go ahead. And to your, and to your point, I think I mean, now, now you got my mind racing, but like in your, I, I think, um, you know, and being fully vulnerable, mm-hmm. you, you know, I shared at the end of our, our first retreat, I was like, man, I, I had imposter syndrome like a mug, yeah. right? Like I was like, I don't belong with these dope folks, man. Kimberly Neal, yeah. man, like Brittany, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's like, man, I'm like, I, I'm looking at you like, Dr. C, I might've fooled you. Like, now, wait a minute now, I might've <laughs> sold you some witch hazel. Um, you know, and it, and it, it, it took that week, Mo, you know, Moses. Um, but I, but I, you have me thinking now of just like how their success also becomes the community is so strong, their success becomes your success. Like I, I, I yes. man, I champion Marvin and Kim, and I'm like, man, they are so dope at what yes. they're doing. Brittany is killing it, yeah. you know. Just like all these Vanessa. people, um, Vanessa. Oh my gosh, um, uh, uh, amazing! It's just like you have all these, and then you build this community yeah. with people, and you know, and like just you know, a little insider trading in some respect. But when I decided to leave um, overtime. Um, you know, I, I knew it was coming for a little bit. And so I was like, I, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do next. You know, we talk a lot about what's your evolution, what's next. And I remember reaching out to Marvin and he was like, brother, if you move to Houston, I got you. Yeah. It's just like that, that community that you can build. Riaz has been, a, yeah. it's been an amazing yeah. resource um, in this current portion of my life. And so it's just thinking about um, all those things and to your point of belonging and how quickly it did it, especially as a practitioner who, who, who digs deep into relationship building. Um, and so you know what's happening while it's happening to you. Like, man, man, this is good. Like, it's, you know, it's why it took me so long to get into therapy because I was in mental health for so long. And I'd be like, man, I know it's DSM-4 you, you, you're doing to me, right? Like, um, but but watching it with Camelback and seeing how quickly it built and, and you're right, just being able to have that and, and being able to replicate it. Yeah. Um, you know, like like when I said to you in the text, I was like, Doctor C, you know, you don't got to tell anybody, but I know we're your favorite cohort. Um, but, but whether, <laughs> I mean, whether that's, look, look, look. <laughs> yes, yes, twenty nineteen, you all are my favorite twenty nineteen. There you go, good, good answer. <laughs> yeah. um, but whether whether that's true or not, I mean, y'all are my favorite twenty nineteen cohort. There you go. Whether whether you know whether it's true or not, you. But everybody everybody wins. And everybody wins. Such, um, I know it's been a beautiful thing because when I was building Ace in Atlanta, uh, the young brother, and I definitely want to say his name, Macario Harris, he passed away mm. last June, um, two Junes ago. But uh, he was he was my co-founder for Ace Atlanta. Um, and we were doing a some new school venture fund or somebody in, in uh, New Orleans. But Camelback's, Camelback's new yeah, cohort just happened to be yeah. starting at that same time. So I just, I thought, bro, you got to go. Like, like, at some point, you're going to be in Camelback and, you know, yada, 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 and he went. And he was a young brother, uh, you know, Macario. I think he passed like twenty seven. Oh, had two God. young kids, man. Beautiful yeah. brother, man. I, man, I don't, I don't mourn often, but I, I miss yeah. that young man a lot because yeah. he. We were talking about earlier having that young person behind you. How you were talking about the young man um, in that space. He was that for me with Ace, yeah. but in Atlanta, he was the one who kept me going. Uh, but I remember him bringing it to the Camelback Venture uh, to the kind of mixer, and he's like, he called me up. He's like, um, I, I got to do this. Like, how are you going to put me on? And I hooked him up with Kimberly. This is crazy we're talking about this but i hooked him up with kimberly and she was like she was like now bro he's a little rough around the edge i was like yeah you know he's from south atlanta but man the kid works and, and he loves it and, and you know my philosophy always for this work is i'll hire for will long before i have to hire for yeah like I, can that. Teach, I can teach you how to yeah. teach but i can't teach yeah. you how to love young black men and he already was doing that um and i remember hooking him up with kim while i was gone and she was like you know we can we can polish him up and, and you know man he was I, I just had to say his name, but it, it reminds me of like he was excited about what Camelback can be, and he had no idea. And it's 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 
how I know you know good school. Coming from a family full of preachers is how I know you know good church. <laughs> you know, you know when we did our pitches, I was, you know, I did the one about senses. You can smell it, right? Like it's, yeah. it's, it's on the table. Yeah. We know the power of smell is that's the one that goes straight to the brain, right? There's no, there's, there's no, there's no passing it up. There's no anything else. And so, like Camelback passes that test of belonging, and I think shows like this and 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 school environments and, and nonprofit environments that I try to build. If nothing else, like I want young people, young black men, to your point of how do you create it, to walk in and you just know it, even if you can't. Even if you can't quite say it, um, because one of the yeah. things we try to work in with a young man is like uh, economy of language, right? So much of it is just communication, you know, the, the studies about men and how we talk and don't talk. But because, um, because again, I'm still working on the man in the mirror. I go home and I get real quiet, <laughs> right? Like, like being, being my person, being my partner, being my whatever is hard. I go home and I'm like, I'm spent. I've been talking yeah. all day. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. So, I know that feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, look, please, just put, look, uh-huh. hey, just put your leg on me. Don't, yeah. don't, don't say nothing to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> just, I'll, I'll rub watch the movies. Rub, rub my head. Yeah, yeah, do something. Um, but I think uh, to your to your question, I think somewhat of, of like, how do we create that? I think it's, it's I've been doing the work and, and me and my, my co-founder, CJ and Willie, especially of just making it explicit, like just saying the thing out loud yeah. um, and, and, and saying like, this is what this is. How does that feel? Let's walk through it. Let's talk through it together. And then I, I think the biggest leap has been the the, vulner, the belonging and vulnerability. So when I fall short as a man, just saying like that was my, my that was me falling short. Yeah. Right. That was yes. that was me. Um, and I'm I'm quick to tell young people, especially young men, like that was my bad. My yeah. yo, I'm sorry. We have, like, to. I, I, we have to. Um, and and I'm coming. And and I think you said something powerful earlier. We were talking about. I think it was an agreement. We might have been like this is consistency. Like I'm going to show up. Um, I tell my staff this all the time. I tell my teachers this all the time. If I can't show up and be Mr. Marcus every day, turn it back around. I'll get a sub or we'll figure it yeah. out. Like, like these yeah. young men, these didn't. And here's co-ed. But these young men, these young people deserve the best of what you got. And it, it's, it's the, you know, I, I tell my staff all the time. I'm like, we're giving Chick-fil-A service. Whether you believe their politics <laughs> or not, I don't care. I, I know it's going to taste like every day. I know that chicken sandwich. Yeah. Uh, every, they, but but you actually go for the you go for the experience, right? Because if you went to if you went to Chick Fil A and got Popeye service, you'd be disgusted before you even get very service. much. No shady Popeye. Please don't see the Popeye. But 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 I mean, you know, there's a difference, and it's really you know all the studies show that's what you go for. You go for the you go for the my pleasure, and, and I want young people to walk out of my experience and the experience I'm a part of, and, and know they got the my pleasure. Um, and know they had a black man who said he loved him, who showed up as the best he could and, and, and was 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 was, you know, was was flawed, but yet was also yeah. great in his in his in his in his successes as well. So, yeah, no, I, I, I definitely I definitely appreciate that. Like thinking about what that what that belonging looks like and creating that space and mm-hmm. opening that space to say, I'm looking for belonging. I think there's a vulnerability. Yes. I'm looking, I'm looking for v- belonging. There's a vulnerability in saying that and being okay. I say that usually at the start of the show. Like I hope that you are finding your people. And at the recording of the show, I had my first friends giving at my house. Right, old friends that I hadn't seen in a while. Uh, Alma mater was playing. You know, they're ranked 18th at the time. We got friends giving going on. Belonging. Right. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Look, nothing brings people together like food and sports. Right. Yeah. And that belonging. The la- and, and when they were leaving, they were like, OK, this is the first annual yeah, Friendsgiving yeah. at the crib. And I'm like, that's exactly mm-hmm. what I, I wanted to do. Sometimes revolutionaries, you just got to start. You just got to start small. Things will things will go. Camelback started small. And did you know the Camelback is celebrating 10 years this year? 
Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. It's it, it's and to your point, it's it's um, you know, a, a quick story, I guess, even about how I ended up at OT was was going through the pandemic, got accepted for ACE, the school started, all those good things were getting the school started approved. Um, and COVID hit, you know, because mm, yeah. your revolution got to move. Yeah. Uh, and then racism hit. Um, you know, they wanted me to take out all the black and brown isms mm. um, in the school. And so, you know, you know me, Dr. C, I'm very transparent. You know, so I was depressed, right? Yeah. Like I had gone yeah. two years of working on this thing and moved and was like, okay, you know, it's another one of those me and God talking moments. Um, and so, you know, I, and I also was just, I'm just very transparent. I was I had run out. Of, I'd run out of some uh, sweet tea. We'll call it sweet tea. Um, and I got and I got tired of like you know just watching uh, Golden Girl reruns and Miami Dolphins losing. And so uh, I went to this mixer at the gathering spot. And I only really went because I was out of food and I was out of sweet tea. Um, and so I went. You got five on it. And uh, yeah, yeah. I had I had a good buddy here told me about overtime. Yeah. And he was just like, hey, we should go and talk to some people. So I went. Just so happened to end up meeting somebody who was on the board to my right um and in front of me was a, a brother who was uh who had just started with a personal trainer who ended up being my trainer mm-hmm. right and so those two things collided at the same time and um ended up applying for this thing and i was like ah just you know i'm a c and 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 didn't think anything of it and then you know it was this beautiful opportunity to meet in this amazing system my yeah. former supervisor my Ritterberger. shout out to her former principal of the year in dc man she's fire but uh get got ended up getting to talk to her she's like i'm looking for somebody who has school design experience School leadership experience and is really passionate about working with black and brown males. Like Hello. what? Like it doesn't. And, yeah, and, and yeah, and, I'm and, and, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we're and we're building it. Uh, we're building it in Atlanta on 17th. I lived on 14th. I was like, this is great. Oh, um, and and so uh, you know, but there was nothing. There was no arena. There was no thing. Oh, and by the way, they're going to be professional basketball players, first of their kind. Yada yada yada. So I'm like, okay, cool. Like you know, a week later, two weeks later, probably, uh, I'm in Miami meeting the Thompson twins, meeting the Beauty twins, wow. meeting, you know, all these people who, you know, like I said, three years later, man, I'm, I'm texting these guys before the game, like, hey, good luck in Detroit, good luck in Houston. Right. We were able right. to do this beautiful thing um, uh, from the ground up um, again with, with you know, and again, I, there was times I'd walk into the arena just super humble, like, man, I never thought I'd be like, st- help starting a pro basketball league for, for players who make more money than me. But also still need to get a high school diploma, right? And so now here wow. we are creating. So that's overtime. Building the plane. That's overtime, yeah. yeah. So building the plane as we go. And, you know, never thought I'd be on Amazon. You know, check us out on Amazon Prime. <laughs> um, but uh, check them out, I guess. I'm no longer there. But, uh, but you know, still all love. Um, but just those things. But, again, sometimes you have to walk into the fear. Um, you got to walk into the fear. And what I learned for sure is working with those young men is, is um, – despite the talent, um, young men from all over the world, right? Alex Saar, who's projected to go number one next year, brilliant young man, speaks five languages wow. from France. And But, you know, we're still having the same conversations about life, Dr. C. It's, it's you know, you're thinking about not just like, hey, I might go first in the draft, but hey, I got a little girlfriend. Yeah. You know, like, what is this? Hey, you still, still the same conversation. got to develop. Yeah, yeah. I still think I was like, did you shower today? <laughs> you know, like those are conversations I sometimes have. Or or just, we'll get I don't know Tom Ford. <laughs> Yeah, no, right, right. I don't know how to play chess or bigger. One of my uh, one of my contemporaries, my, my former math teacher, brilliant young brother, Ricky, out of Dallas, um, he would have his young man, his advisory, they would learn how to tie ties. You know, these yeah. are, again, the, the overtime formula was either NIL or pro path. But, you know, we could have a player making over six figures yeah. and sometimes seven. Right. Um, but he didn't know how to tie a tie, right? And we're having the and, – and he's never been to the MLK Museum. And so it's just, again, all those things that we, we get to learn into your question of belonging, that was a built-in belonging about – around um around basketball but but so much of our work uh, my team's work in, in the academic and in, in life skills section was more about like who are you outside of this because yeah. it's more about what 
less of what you're doing, because that comes back to my six foot six analogy. But who are you? Who are you? Um, and in that world, you don't get the chance to really explore because every, you're a commodity. Everybody's yeah. looking, you know, like I I'm I teared up with I mean, and Nassar going four and five in the draft. But I teared up because I'm like, man, I remember those conversations. In, in the car with them or you know, late night in the gym or just life. Like, you know, hey, what do you think about this? Or, you know, what do you think about that? Or family or these. And I'm like, man, these are brilliant young men who, who you know, that machine doesn't care per se. Um, but but who are you? And we don't get the chance to see so many of It's better now. I do think athletes have a better platform now to be able to show who they are um, and what they who they are. But, you know, it's still it's still based on their body and what they can produce. Yeah. Yeah. And. And hopefully we can give them the insights into when it, when it's over, you know, yeah, when it's over on their own accord or when it's robbed or stripped away from them for some reason, mm-hmm. what's, what's next in that? What's next? Yeah. And for some of them, you think about that, right? Like you could be washed at 24. Yeah. So now you have you a, and even you if you're a not, whole life. Even, what do you do? Yeah. Even the way we talk about LeBron, right? LeBron, let's say when he's done at 41, 42, he's younger than me. He's still got a whole other he's life. Still, yeah, but LeBron's a big He got a lot, got a lot, lot more <laughs> yeah. money than me. But, uh, you know. <laughs> he, but, he, he, uh, he all right. <laughs> he's, he'll be all right. But but it's still, I mean, you know, in those in the, in the the you know, the recesses of your mind, you're still having those conversations. And again, like I, I'm always so humbled by even able to tell that story and tell those things. It's like, man, you never, if you'd have, if you'd have told me when you first gave me the call in Atlanta, um, that, you know, five years later, I'd be, you know, starting up a school for professional basketball players. I'd have called you all kind of liars, <laughs> Dr. C. I'd have questioned, I'd, I'd questioned all of your uh, your credibility. But, uh, you know, I, I believe you sow good seeds and, and things come your yeah. way. Yeah, brother. Look, I, I, I often look I often look down at the time like, where did the hour go? <laughs> <laughs> but that also means that that also means that. I have been able to fan you know what I'm saying? I have been able to fan and not only as the host of this show, but to be able to sit back and listen as I, as I do the mental gymnastics to make sure that I'm asking the pertinent questions to illuminate for you and for my revolutionaries that they get everything out of this. But brother, it just like, I am in awe one, as I said, right? I continue to be in awe of who you are as a man, who you are as a human. And that's, that's my word, who you are as a human and how you are out moving your revolution forward right impact as you know you think about that and you know what perseverance looks like when you're when you're down to your last dollar when you're down to your last cent when you're past your last cent you know what i'm saying marcus harden right nationally renowned educator founder right humanitarian philanthropist father mentor what's your revolution Unconditional love, yeah. um, as as uh, as cliche as it may be, just uh, and, and I would say this, Doctor C. I think uh, this journey of finding belonging in Atlanta, the the greatest part for me was learning to love myself, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and then then amplifying that um, even more. So I've told people, even in my my personal weight transformation journey or whatever, um, it, it, it was so much of it, I think was shedding the old skin of mm-hmm. everything I had to hold on to and really yeah. just loving me. Um, and that's made me so much better to love other people. Yeah. And I and I get so excited to show up in that space, to show up in this space, to show up in any space and just uh, be a beam for that. And, you know, we're both men of men of, 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 of spirituality. Yeah. And so, you know, I, what I know for sure is God is love. And if I show up as, a, as an imperfect image of him um, and, and can reflect that out, then I'm doing all right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. 
revolutionaries as 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 we say on the show this was this was a normal show meaning that this show was amazing and that's what we do <laughs> we do revolutionary things on this show and we have revolutionary guests and that's why it's a normal day here at the office for us that i get to highlight right my dear brother and my dear friend someone that i have been in awe with since the first time i spoke with him on the phone and then the first time i saw him as he walked into those auspicious offices of Camelback Ventures in 2019 and we moved forward you know, we moved forward and we went through a lot together that year with my first season and a lot of growth, a, a, a lot of learning. And I don't think I ever got a chance to say thank you. Right. A, a, a chance to say thank you as you helped me move through some of the most challenging times of my life. Right. Leading that fellowship during that time, you know, and learning and growing and looking at what belonging looked like, how to handle stress and strife and how to how to lead with so I, I say that out loud to you. Thank you. Thank you for your grace and for your leadership, right? And for allowing me to belong in your space, dear brother. Thank you so much. You know, revolutionaries, as, as, we, as we think, as we close out, I want you to be thinking about your answer, right? Thinking about what it looks like to fulfill it once you know what it is. Once you know what your revolution is, go out and make it. Go out and fulfill it. And let everybody in the world see it. See, this is my revolution. Let them be your accountability partners as you move through. As Shonda says, find your midwives and help them propel you through this. You know that I love you, that I am here with you as you move through this space. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, everybody. Peace. Yeah, man, I appreciate it, brother. No, it's good. It's good. It's been a long time coming, but it's, it's good. It's good time. Unique time. Unique time. As a leader, you know this. You, you, sometimes you just you're faking it until you make it. I'm figuring it out too. That's the so. thing. That 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 is the thing. It, it kind of scares me a little. It kind of scares me a little bit sometimes. I'm like, okay, you at this phase, you shouldn't be faking it till you make it. But that's a part of the growth. I think that's that that's yeah. a wonderful thing that the growth happens, and you can't be afraid to not know something. Like, yeah. and I think you know, I think, and this is another hypothesis that as black men, we go out in the world, we think like for us to excel we've got to know everything no the growth mm -hmm. is in not knowing but seeking and seeking out yep. the folks who may not know who may know a little bit more to help you learn and grow um you know i was reading something i was reading something like these 10 things that good leaders you know good emotionally maybe it was emotionally intelligent leaders and the first mm -hmm. thing was seek discomfort yeah, yeah. See, see, and and for us, well, let me say for for me, seeking discomfort was like, oh, wait a minute, like I feel bad, like you know, most of the time because I'm having to battle. But you telling me to go seek discomfort? Yeah, it is, it is. Good leaders figure that out, you know. Good leaders, you know, a lot of people, like you said, I'm not gonna walk in here and burn the house down. I may at some point have to burn the house or, or burn the door down, or you know, what I'm saying, you know, replace the windows, you know, what I'm saying, replace the roof. But I'm not gonna come in here and tear it all apart yet. And if I do tear it all apart, y'all gonna help me do it because we're gonna rebuild this together.